Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knutson had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. In today's episode, I will speak with Rick DeLaGuardia, a good friend of mine. He's a civil engineer, and he is also the author of a book that's coming out on the topic of engineering entrepreneurship. It's a very inspiring episode. Rick dropped a lot of really valuable points for civil engineers at all stages of their career in this episode, so stay tuned for the interview. But before we dive into the main segment of the show, I do want to take a minute to recognize our sponsor for this show, PPI. If you're thinking about taking the civil FE or PE exam, I recommend that you check out PPI, the leader in civil engineering exam prep. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code CIVIL at ppi2pass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use the promo code CIVIL for a 20% discount. All right, so now you're going to hear an interview that I did with Rick DeLaGuardia. Rick is the president and founder of DLG Engineering, Inc., a consulting firm specializing in the design and analysis of building envelope systems to help mitigate storm damage in hurricane-prone regions of the country. DLGE was founded in South Florida in 2009 during the height of an economic downturn now known as the Great Recession, when many engineering firms were struggling and opening an engineering firm was considered ill-advised. Since founding his firm, he has been recognized as one of the top minority-owned businesses in South Florida by the Greater Miami Chamber of Commerce. He earned his Bachelor of Science degree from the University of Miami in 1995. He has over 20 years of experience designing and consulting in all aspects of the building envelope field, which I love about Rick is that he's got this niche and he's really been able to penetrate that niche. He's authored numerous articles and technical papers, which he has presented to the industry and his peers. His latest work is a book on engineering entrepreneurship titled Engineer to Entrepreneur, Success Strategies to Manage Your Career and Start Your Own Firm. Rick served as president of the University of Miami College of Engineering Alumni Association from June of 2010 to May of 2012. He has mentored and advised many students and young engineers and is currently chairing a newly formed advisory committee on entrepreneurship and innovation for the University of Miami College of Engineering. I want to dive right into this interview because I think it's value-packed. You're going to get some great points on finance, on how to network with people. Let's rock and roll. Here it is. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now it's time for our Civil Engineering Conversation of the Week. And today's guest is Rick DeLaGuardia. You just heard me introduce Rick. We're going to focus on one of his newest works, which is a book on engineering entrepreneurship titled Engineer to Entrepreneur, Success Strategies to Manage Your Career and Start Your Own Firm. Rick, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Anthony, thank you for having me. So Rick, before we jump into your book and talking about engineering entrepreneurship a little bit, maybe you could tell our audience a little bit about your background and how you got to your own firm where you are today. Well, my background is interesting because I never really had entrepreneurship in mind, so I kind of fell into it. I had worked at a firm for over 14 years 
as a specialty engineer. And as I worked there, uh, the field of a delegator or specialty engineer was never really in my radar. But I started realizing that by being a specialist and working under the best at the field that I worked in, that you really had access that other bigger engineering firms had for a small firm. And then surely I had intentions of ultimately staying with that firm and helping run the firm, but circumstances beyond my control made it such that I had to go out on my own. And since I had worked for that specialty firm for many years, I, in essence, became an expert in that field and started learning a lot of the skills needed to be an entrepreneur. I finally decided to make the jump. So that's what led me to it. And I'm happy I did. Yeah, no, that's great. And of course, I introduced Rick earlier and his firm does specialize in the design and analysis of building envelope systems to help mitigate storm damage in hurricane prone regions of the country. And I know, Rick, you're a big fan of having a niche in kind of the civil engineering world, right? Yeah, that to me is critical. Just from experience, when I started my own firm, it was now considered the, the Great Recession. And uh, I made a decision to leave the current engineering firm that I was working at, which was my second company. And I was advised by the owner of that firm and by others not to do it, that it was a bad time. But it was that specific specialty and niche that made me an expert in that field that allowed me flexibility to do it. And, and I think it was that twofold. And, and it allowed me, it insulated me from the bad economy because I was considered an expert in my field because it was such a specialized field. And two, I was able to parlay that into offering a specialty and offering it at reduced uh, rates than my previous employers. So it ended up being a good situation for me. And if you want to learn more about Rick's company, you can go to dlgengineering.com. We're going to focus more. We're going to transition now and get into this idea of engineering entrepreneurship and Rick's latest work, which is his book. So Rick, what made you decide to write this book? Well, in, in back in 2009, when I was considering starting a firm and discussing it and wondering if it was right for me, I started researching and, and there was very few either books or literature around on what it takes to start your own firm or run a firm or plan for a firm. So I basically had to do it on my own without any resources. And secondly, when I did do it and when I was chatting with other young engineers and students and I managed to do a, a couple presentations on it, I found a great need for it that students were saying, wow, this is great information and information that I wish I had when I was starting my own company. So I decided, you know, um, okay, there's a need for it. And my presentations went very well. And, and I kept being asked to do them again and again. So I figured why not put it to writing and, and provide a, a resource for aspiring entrepreneurs in the future. Great. Now, who would you say that the book is geared to primarily? I think that it's geared in three parts, three groups. First, for students, young students, either high school or college. Secondly, for graduates and young engineers that are deciding in how to manage their career. And thirdly, for those seasoned engineers that are ready to jump in and start their own company. I think if you want to be an entrepreneur, it's a mindset. And it is beneficial to start as early on as possible to start gathering the funds necessary, the skills necessary, the mindset necessary. So I break it up in those three parts. So for students, young engineers, and aspiring entrepreneurs. Great. And I was lucky enough to get to write the foreword for Rick's book, which was an honor. And I really got to know the book. I got to read it. I got to make some recommendations on it. And it is really well laid out so that whatever one of those categories you're in, if you pick up a copy of the book, it's really easy for you to figure out which sections you should read now. And then like as you progress in your career, you could read the next sections. You can kind of grow 
along with the book, which I like a lot. It's very flexible in that nature. Rick, what would you say is the one key point that you were really trying to make when you wrote this book? I would say that entrepreneurship is a mindset. It's not for everyone. It's really a life decision. It requires dedication and hard work. It's not easy being a business owner, and you have to have that mentality. And that mentality is difficult because a lot of us, when we graduate and we're working, we like to have nice cars and take vacations and nice house. But you have to have that mentality of entrepreneur, which is, in essence, there's a saying that says entrepreneurship forces you to do things that most people wouldn't so that in your later years in life, you can do things that most people can't. So that's really a mindset. And uh, that is a lot of hard work. And, and But it is fruitful. It gives you freedom. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Rick, in the book, you use a lot of anecdotes. Is there a reason for that? Or? Yeah, I think like whenever I read a book or get advice from somebody, I really like to see what their background is, how they arrived at that advice. And, and I thought it important to let the readers know how I came about that. And not only here's how to do it, but here's how I did it and show them that I struggled through opening up my own company and making it clear that the book is not a success story, but rather this is how I did it. And this is how you can do it better. I include mistakes that I made challenges to let them know that, hey, if I could do it, you can do it too. And, and it's something that you can see my struggles, you can see how I overcame them, and it's still a work in progress. Right. Absolutely. When I do a talk or when I write a book, I mean, I always want someone to take something very actionable out of it. I always want to try to prompt action. What do you hope that the readers will be taking out of your book? The biggest thing is that I wrote the book such that in the three parts that it, it really follows you throughout your entire life, throughout your entire engineering career from a student, young engineer, and uh, an entrepreneur. So my hope is that this book can serve as a resource, as a reference point and guide a young student all through his career and being able to serve as a reference to look back to and inspire and motivate and really make you feel like, hey, I have something to turn to whenever I have questions or doubts. And so I really am looking forward to hearing stories of the students that become young engineers and maybe start their own firm saying, hey, I bought your book back when I was a student and, uh, I, and I carried through in my career and now I want to start my own firm and I think it's been very helpful. So that's ultimately my wish. That's great. And this is just my opinion, Rick, but I would say that even if you're a student and you're just maybe entrepreneurial, doesn't mean you have to start your own firm. You could be entrepreneurial in a big company, start a department, be more entrepreneurial minded. I think the book still benefits someone in that situation. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. And I mentioned that when I have my presentations, that even if you don't aspire or don't ever start your own firm, I think the uh, skills, the, the concepts in the book are valuable. For example, the networking part, uh, if you want to really aspire to grow within a, a large company and become the vice president or president or, or ultimately a CEO, it really teaches you how to originate business, how to network properly, how to have the soft skills needed and the managerial skills. So absolutely, if, even if you don't aspire to own your own company, I think it will certainly be beneficial for an engineer looking to uh, move up the ranks. So, Rick, in the book, you ask readers to consider working for a small niche firm. Can you explain why you feel that's important? I have. That's my experience. And I know that the large companies have a lot to offer. But if you do want to be an entrepreneur, 
my experience and the experience that I've had is that a large firm, you're going to have multiple supervisors, multiple people in front of you that you're going to be working on specific tasks. And you're rarely going to be able to, at the beginning years, talk to clients or deal with proposals or go out in the field and do an entire project on your own. So by working with a specialty, not only are, are you geared to, and hopefully you'll be learning under an expert, usually niche is conducive to having experts in the field that are specializing in that, but you're going to get, by necessity, a small firm, a niche firm is going to require very versatile employees. So they're going to be giving you a lot more responsibility, in my opinion, than a larger firm would, would do. You'll be, for example, my firm, I have the employees or the staff work on proposals, do field work, uh, work on our project entirely from conception to completion, write proposals. And it's really, by necessity, it gives you a lot more experience at a lot more rapid pace and not including not just engineering, but management experience, accounting experience. So it all comes down to how I was um, uh, handled when I was a, a young engineer, whereas in my first job, I started off as a draftsperson, then moved over to uh, doing the accounting and the bookkeeping, and then started with the field work and inspections, then project manager, engineer, and then started uh, dealing with the accounts. So I think that also helped out in the, I saw the, that working for a small firm and an expert, you can get right on the table with the big boys uh, because when I was looking at career choices, I actually wanted to work for a large company. And then I just happened to work as a clerk for the small firm and I realized the projects they were working on were very large projects and uh, for such a small firm because of the specialty and niche. So it's something that I think was very fruitful for me and I think it would provide a young engineer or a student a much faster and more comprehensive learning curve than it would for a large firm. Yeah, and I agree, and I'll just give my own experience here. When I graduated from school as a civil engineer, I went to work for a very small civil engineering company of about five people, and I was doing everything from field surveying to some drafting, some red line markups. So I had to go to meetings with clients. Maybe I wasn't the only one, but I was there. I was listening. I had to organize the office and do administrative stuff. I had to sweep the office. I mean, you basically, <laughs> we did everything that we had to do. But I, what I can tell you is, as I progressed in my career, all those different skill sets made me a very valuable employee because I had a lot of flexibility. I had a lot of these skill sets that maybe an engineer that worked for a larger corporation maybe didn't get to do some of those things. And so I think, like Rick said, there's some great benefits to working for a larger corporation. But there's also, in the beginning of your career, a lot of benefits to working for a small company and having access to all those different things. Because, I mean, quite frankly, for me, just doing all that field surveying, when I went to do my engineering design, I knew what was going on in the field. And that was like a 180 as far as, I mean, I didn't learn that stuff in school. So that was really big. So I do recommend, I second that, and that if you have the opportunity to work for a smaller company, take advantage of it and try to volunteer to do as many. You won't even have to volunteer because you're just going to have to do things. And I think that's kind of the power in that. Absolutely. And if I could add to that a couple of examples is that I offer a lot of internships to students and young graduate engineers, entry level. And maybe that's your way to get into a big company. Like you said, you got that experience. So I've had many interns and young engineers recently graduated that came to work for me for a year or two. And then were hired by large firms with the experience that they gained at my firm. So 
It's something that, like you said, by necessity, and in your guess an example as well, by necessity, you do have to sweep the floor and do some accounting and do some bookkeeping or do some filing or set up an account or deal with a client, write proposals. All that can be very beneficial to working for a bigger firm and makes you more attractive, makes you more marketable. Absolutely. All right, Rick, one of the other things you touched on in this book, you talked about it quite a bit, and I want to highlight it and maybe talk about it here, is finance and investing. You really got into some of the very specifics on that, which I know is not something that engineers get to hear a lot about. So why do you feel that's so important? Well, that's uh, one of the most important things in accounting and accounting and accounting is emphasized in my book because one of the biggest hurdles to starting your own company, obviously, is funding it, finding the money to fund it. And that's something that you have to be very aware of because it's not easy. And you're going to have cash flow issues and you're going to have to find ways, creative ways to meet your financial obligations as a small business owner and understanding money, understanding investment and where to get the money from or that's going to be critical. So it's important that you're aware of your net worth, that you can understand how to develop and come up with your net worth, uh, available resources for funding. And one of those uh, important things is investing. Uh, Part of the mindset of an entrepreneur is not being a consumer. And when I say consumer, not spending a lot of your hard-earned money on material things, but using that money that you earned and investing it in something, something that will make that money grow and be there for you when you decide to open up your own firm. And it could be something as simple as investing in your 401k in the company that when you start off at, where it has many benefits. A lot of people think the 401k is just for retirement, that you're going to use it when you retire, and that's going to be useless for you now. But it's a perfect example of how I started my company is I use my 401k because really when you invest in the 401k, it's a tax-deferred program. So you do not get taxed on that portion that you contributed. It's deferred to when you retire. And the interest you gain on that one is also not taxed at the time that you gain the interest, but when you retire. And some firms will allow you to take out loans off of your 401k. So it's a tax benefit. You really can snowball the effects of contributing. And on top of that, some of the companies will match your contributions uh, to a certain extent. So it's a resource that you could use to fund your own, your own firm. And if, even if your company doesn't allow loans and you can't use it from your company, when you do decide your own firm, you could uh, set up your own program, your own 401k, and structure it such that it allows loans for any reason. And then you roll over the funds that you've accumulated. And now you have a perfect source of a loan from your 401k that the interest gets paid back into your account, your own account. So it's a perfect loan where you don't really have to qualify and it's easy to get. So I think learning about the 401k, learning about investing is critical. And the earlier you do it and learn about it, the better because your funding is really one of the most difficult things in starting your own company. So I do write about that in the book, that not only the 401k, but investing in property, your own homestead, your own properties and how to do that. Investing in businesses and doesn't have to be an engineering business. It could be a lemonade stand. That allows right. the, the money that you earn to grow and or a tutoring position that allows you to have a little business that can generate revenue. Yeah, and I think one other point I want to highlight from the book that I thought was really valuable, especially for those of you that are younger out there, is Rick talks about, like, if you're thinking of starting an engineering company, like in five, 10 years from now, you might need to start doing things today to build up your credit, like getting credit cards, bank accounts, et cetera. That was something that 
I hadn't thought of when I read the book, but it's a really good point because if you are a student or a young project manager and you think you're five years out, you should start building your credit today, right, Rick? Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that because credit can uh, be good and it can be bad. If you have good credit or excellent credit, the doors are going to open wide open for you for credit cards or loans. And one of the things that I do write in the book, and thanks for pointing that out, is that most small companies have a very difficult time obtaining credit because they don't have a history. So if you're three years out, five years out, you can structure and you can set up your own company. You just have it dormant. All you have to pay is your yearly, and it's different for every state, but in Florida, where I put up my own firm, all I had to do was file every year the corporate forms, $150. So that's all it cost me to have my own company open, and it allows you to have a bank account. It allows you to obtain credit. You would obviously have to co-sign for it, but it gives you the opportunity to utilize that time to start developing a credit history because most banks will not lend to a company unless they have at least three years of credit history. So if you open up your company and you get a bank account, you get a couple of charge cards, Home Depot, you know, a couple of gas cards, you utilize it for your own use, you develop a good credit, make sure you pay on time and you pay timely, and you have that history so that when you're ready to open up your own firm and ready to, to start going, you have that history that they can look at. And it's very important because a good credit cannot be underestimated. It allows you to buy a home, finance a car, secure loans. So it could be good and bad because if you don't pay on time, then it, it works the reverse, that you won't be able to purchase a home. You won't be able to buy a car or get a loan from your car or your business. So it's imperative that you start early, that you pay on time, that you utilize your credit wisely. And I write about that in the book. All right. So based on the three parts of your book, Rick, what is the best advice that you could provide to each group, the student, the young engineer, and the aspiring entrepreneur? I think that for students, the best advice is you have to have practical experience while you're in school, whether it be high school or college. You have to get that internship. You have to seek out a mentor. It's very important. And that's one of the things that I struggled with. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have a resource. But that's one of the reasons I write the book is that the book can serve as a resource. So really, if you get an internship, and again, it doesn't have to be a paid internship. I know a lot of people, if you can manage it, whether in high school or in college, and if you can't find a paid internship, offer to work for free for in exchange for valuable uh, experience in the field. I'm not talking about making photocopies, but you can go to an employer and say, listen, I'm willing to work 20 hours for free if you give me a practical training in your field and in your discipline. So I think for students, the biggest advice that I can say is you have to have practical experience before you graduate. It's a very competitive market. And without that practical experience, without that mentor guiding you, you're going to find it a lot harder to obtain that first job. And maybe that mentorship or that internship turns into your first job after college. So that's the advice I would give students. For young engineers is... Uh, is follow that entrepreneurship mindset. Learn to invest. Learn how to really network. Uh, a lot of us are used to networking and going to a place where there's a, an event and we're just going to socialize and we're going to talk to our friends and we're going to gather in groups of our acquaintances or friends and just chat. Well, you have to learn that if you're going to be an entrepreneur, that's not the right way to network. The right way to network is to meet new people, is to really try to understand what their career and jobs entail how you can help each other out. Networking as a student is different than networking as, as a professional. When you network as a student, you're wanting to get experience from them. 
you want to ask them about themselves because successful people love talking about themselves. So you go ahead and you will confront a, a potential employer. You want to ask them about their projects. You want to do a little bit of research on them. You want to get them talking about themselves and then try to find something in common. And then that might lead to a relationship or a rapport where you can maybe obtain an internship or at least a mentor from that. But when you um, are networking as a professional, you want to originate business for yourself or for your company. So you really want to target people and you want to make it about a two-way street. You want to make it to how can we help each other out, not just about what you, what they can do for you. Start it off as how we can help each other out, find out what their businesses entail, and then from that you can develop a rapport where you can potentially generate business for your firm or, or for, your, for the company. All right, Rick. So last question on the book, and then we're going to transition just to a couple wrap-up questions on career and professional development. But who's publishing your book? The American Society of Civil Engineers is publishing it, and I'm actually grateful of that for you and in writing the forward. I know that you have a rapport in a relationship with ASCE as well, and you were one of the inspirations when I read your book and when you came down to, to Miami and we chatted. So I want to thank you for writing the forward and uh, for um, opening my eyes to the way you inspired me and you said, okay, you told me, hey, if I can do it, you can do it too. Absolutely. So here we are, and, and hopefully now pretty soon we'll both be able to chat about our books. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, absolutely don't mention it. I mean, it was just, uh, it was great to come down there and great to work with you, Rick. And Rick's book is going to be out right around the time this podcast publishes, most likely in August of 2016. The best way to find the book would be to go to Rick's LinkedIn profile, which we will link to in the show notes of this episode. And he will put his book URL into his LinkedIn profile as soon as it becomes available. And that's a great way to get it. And if that doesn't work for you, just email me at anthony at engineeringcareercoach.com and I'll hook you up with Rick and we will be able to do that. So we're going to transition now into a few last questions here focused on career and professional development. But before I do that, I'd just like to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. Engineers often ask me what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FE or PE exam. Hands down, I recommend PPI. I personally use PPI's materials to pass my exams, and I recently had a chance to demo their civil FE and PE review courses. It's why I feel confident recommending PPI for those of you planning to take the next step in your career. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code CIVIL at ppi2pass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use promo code CIVIL for a 20% discount. All right, Rick, so a few questions here to round this one out. First question, are there any specific rituals or habits that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning ritual, lunchtime ritual, things that you do consistently on a daily basis that contribute to you being successful as a professional? Yes, I actually am very reliant on to-do lists. Uh, I like to be very organized. So every single day I plan out my day and I set a goal for myself. And it's hard, uh, especially as we get older, and is to remember everything that you've planned. So I write everything down in a to-do list and I look at it and I encourage my staff and my employees to write to-do lists. And I actually encourage them not only to write the to-do list, but to have them on their desk so that I can... When I walk by, I can see their list and can, I can add to it or I can uh, structure it or rephrase it. And I know what they're doing and I know that they have a goal and a focus. So I, that's one of the rituals that I have is, is I think out the day and I, I look at the to-do list and, and I try to accomplish the goals 
set out in that day. I know life is very complicated and very fast paced. You could easily lose track of what you're doing or what you wanted to do. So to-do lists are, are really my one of my rituals that I have. Great. Is there a specific book? We talked about your book a lot. Is there a specific book that you recommend to engineers regularly or just a book that you have found to be extremely helpful in your professional or personal development? Yeah, actually, um, that's a good question. And uh, I'm not saying this because you're doing the interview here, but your book was uh, fascinating to me, so much so that, that uh, uh, I asked you to come down to Miami to speak to the students at the University of Miami. And I think that was very influential for me, and I highly recommend it. And the other book that was influential about the entrepreneurship mindset was A Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. That book really inspired me. That got me thinking of the entrepreneurial mindset about being an investor, about ways to help me understand the finances and, and really that working nine to five uh, wasn't really for me and, and having my own company, being my own boss, investing and having that book as a resource and reference was very impactful in my life and my career. So I would highly recommend uh, both uh, your book and Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I think one of the things that your book helped was understanding that there's a big need and we as engineers are stereotypically thought of as not having the soft skills. And that's one of the things that I learned when I was uh, starting off is that you need those soft skills. You can be a great engineer, but if you don't know how to communicate, market, and really or speak, and that's what your book uh, helps with, uh, really those soft skills that you need to be successful in your career and an entrepreneur. And then with the Robert Kiyosaki was the mindset of really being an investor and, and how to manage money so that you can find that necessary funding for starting your own firm. So those were two books that were very influential to me. Oh, great. Well, thank you for that compliment. And I will say I'm a huge fan of Rich Dad, Poor Dad as well. Rick is right. It gets you into the mindset of getting out of debt and making your money work for you essentially. And we actually did a podcast episode on our engineering career coach podcast, which was episode 65, which we'll link to in the show notes here. It was called personal finance for engineers. And essentially I went through the key points in rich dad, poor dad. It's, I mean, you should buy the book, you should buy the audio book, you should listen to it definitely. But that's a place you can also start to get a little bit of a summary. And I wasn't sure how the episode was going to get accepted. And the episode got rave reviews just showing that engineers need that information more because we don't really think about that as much when we get into our projects and our careers, and it's really a critical, critical component. So, all right, last question, Rick, which we call the civil engineering career elevator advice question. If you got into an elevator with an engineer, a civil engineer who's looking to grow, looking to advance their career, and you only had about 30 to 40 seconds to give them some advice, what would you tell him or her? I would say um, this is the theme of mine is learn that mindset, the entrepreneurship mindset, whether you're going to start your own business or not. It really is a way of life, a way of thinking. And part of the mindset is uh, that you have to constantly grow. You can never stop learning, that you have to learn to invest and manage your money well, that you have to really learn to network and learn to network right. So if you really learn to network and originate, it's going to be good for yourself or your, your firm. If you learn the entrepreneurship mindset, it's going to allow you the necessary freedom, funding freedom, and in, in, in investing to not only fund your own firm, but to have success later in life financially. So I think I would focus on that just to make sure that they have goals, that they learn to invest, that they have that entrepreneurship mindset. Excellent. 
All right, Rick, I want to thank you for taking the time to join me on the show today. I really appreciate you spending the time. Thank you for having me. All right, you can catch up with Rick on LinkedIn. Like I said, we'll link to his profile so you can connect with him. You can keep an eye on when his book is coming out. We'll certainly link to his book from the show notes of this podcast episode. You'll be able to find those show notes by going to civilengineeringpodcast.com. In the right sidebar, you can just do a search for DLG Engineering or Entrepreneurship and the episode will come up. So until next week, I wish you all the best in your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.